Support for this podcast comes from AppCast, a leading provider of recruitment advertising technology and managed services. AppCast helps more than 1,500 companies find more qualified candidates using advanced programmatic technology and data-driven analytics. With AppCast, you'll effortlessly attract the right talent to your open jobs, helping you save time and money. Find out more about AppCast at appcast.io. That's appcast.io. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 310 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Over the last few weeks, the show has been focusing on the long-term strategic changes talent acquisition leaders are making to ensure their teams are fit for purpose in 2021. And this will continue to be the theme of the podcast moving forward. However, I wanted to take a quick break from it in this episode and focus on some very practical advice. Lockdowns and remote working mean that video communications are now playing a hugely increased role in all of our lives. So, how can you make sure you're presenting yourself in the best light, quite literally, and what elements of personal video production could you adopt to make sure you're effective when presenting to colleagues, candidates or customers? My guest this week is the king of professional do-it-yourself video production, Stephen O'Donnell. Many of you will know Stephen from the video content he creates and the excellent advice he shares. Whether you're looking to stand out on a Zoom call, use video to promote your vacancies, or deliver a memorable presentation at a virtual conference, there are insights here for everyone. Hi Stephen, and welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Matt. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Absolutely. Uh, I've been in this space for, well, I was just realizing 33 years I've been in recruitment, uh, man and boy. And uh, the initial half of that would be owning and running recruitment agencies. Uh, and come the year 2000, kind of flipped to, uh, to the online and, and, and tech world. Uh, so from 2000 to now, I'm most known for hosting and running the National Online Recruitment Awards. Uh, and through that time as well, working with startups uh, in uh, uh, vendors in the uh, recruitment space, uh, either for agencies or for uh, TA departments in HR. So in the last couple of years with companies like Pocket Recruiter and the AI space, and last year with uh, Video My Job focusing on uh, provision of, uh, of video content for recruitment agencies and TA departments for all manner of purposes. Fantastic stuff. Now, we're going to talk a lot about video as we move into the conversation. But but before we do, tell us a little bit more about the, the Noras. What are they? When are they? And how might people be able to get involved in them? So this is the 20th year of the Noras. Uh, they were started as a marketing exercise way back uh, and uh, grew arms and legs. But uh, the Noras, because I didn't know how industry awards were supposed to be organized, I set them up uh, to be nominated by candidates in the first place uh, that anyone could enter or be submitted. Uh, and we receive 
on average, 20 to 30,000 nominations from the public each year. Uh, this year, it's a lot less than that for obvious reasons. Uh, but uh, we recognise job boards, employers, recruitment agencies, publications, essentially anywhere that advertises vacancies. And uh, the, the purpose of that is really to shine a light on the very best examples of online recruitment practice. So if a, if a website, if a job board, for example, offers terrific value for money, we're not interested in that because, of course, candidates are unaware of that. So we, we assess all recruitment websites from a candidate's point of view. And we have two sets of judging panels who are tasked with doing exactly that. We had uh, 7,436 nominations this year for 503 separate recruitment websites uh, and some of the categories, many more than others, such as small recruitment agencies. But uh, our judges visit all of those sites and i i reckon i'm probably the the busiest online job seeker in the uk because i register and uh, search and, and apply for jobs on all of those 500 websites each year so uh, uh i have a, a pretty good perspective from uh from, from the, the the job seekers point of view during 2020 and during lockdown you you've become sort of quite famous as the the go-to person for I don't know what we'd call this, almost sort of personal video production. So people building their own home studios to look great on Zoom calls or to produce really, really sort of compelling video content for conferences and presentations. Now, a lot of people who listen to the podcast will be speakers. They might be speaking at events within within their company. They might be speaking at industry events. Uh, and also, uh, a lot of people will be on TA teams who, who want to present in the best possible way to the the, the audiences of talent that they're that they're that they're reaching out to. So, hence the reason I wanted to talk to you. So, first question: Why should people spend the time? And you know, make the investment in improving the the video quality that that they produce. What's wrong with just using the camera in your laptop? Well, first of all, you can do fantastic things with the camera in your laptop and the microphone in your laptop or plugged in headphones. Uh, but to give it a bit, a bit of perspective, uh, in November, December uh, last year, twenty nineteen, uh, Zoom had around ten million active. Uh, uh, participants in meetings, uh, monthly participants. Uh, as of now, it's over 300 million uh, active participants uh, in, uh, in in events on Zoom. Clearly, the world has changed. People are now uh, using Zoom as their normal uh, part of their day, uh, whereas it, it was relatively uh, unusual or, or, you know, it was, it was, it was a separate thing uh, this time last year. So now we're all using video in ways that we never did before. We, we maybe tinkered with it and with so many people using this as uh, you know a, a universal communications platform uh, not just zoom but other platforms too then uh, of course people want to step it up they want to be just a bit better than uh, than the basic uh, standard. Uh, we know what the standard is. We know we've, we've all seen the funny stories about uh, you know people coming into meetings is this thing on can you see me can you hear me uh, and People want to be much more reliable than that, uh, either for their own personal brand, uh, to be known as the person who always has a crystal clear connection uh, and, uh, and, a, and a good picture, uh, or uh, to, uh, to make sure that the text not getting in the way of their message, whatever they want to get across in, in, in meetings or presentations or pitches or whatever they're doing uh, in online meetings. Because the online meeting is the default, then there's no excuse now to not think, can I 
can I get it, get the glitches out of the way? Can I do this better? Can I be the reliable person who's never at fault uh, in the meeting? Uh, and therefore, people are listening to what I'm speaking about uh, much more clearly. So talk us through the, the, the basic principles behind this, I suppose, you know, lighting, sounds, ca- camera quality. What do people need to think uh, well, first of all, uh, in the platforms that people will use online, uh, say, say you're using Zoom. Zoom, for the most part, is a download pro- downloaded program uh, which is installed on your uh, your PC or your Mac, and Zoom can then have access to all the facilities on your computer. Uh, so that means access to your microphone, to your webcam, to uh, to your screen if you wanted to share your screen, and to files and so on. Uh, and that's that's terrific. Uh, there are lots of platforms where you would log on to uh, a, an online URL, such as Crowdcast, and in that, uh, the feed from your mic and your camera uh, is going directly through the browser uh, to the platform. Uh, the reason I say that there's a distinction is that the, the quality can be a bit different, and more than that, the ability to manipulate what's coming out at the other end is quite different. Uh, so... The key things to be thinking about are the, the if you were looking at a regular webcam uh, on a PC, uh, often it has a microphone in there. The microphone's not especially good. The camera might be amazing, uh, but you won't get the benefit of it yourself because you're not seeing and listening to yourself. Other people are. So a small investment in a good webcam uh, can make a huge difference on the other side and how people are perceiving you. So, yeah. Everyone who has a, a you know a MacBook or a laptop will have a built-in camera and microphone, and usually those are if if you bought it in the last year or so, those are going to be more than good enough. Uh, but uh, so sometimes the, you know the good camera that you have is obscured by poor usage, uh, and uh, you know it might be that you've got a smudge across the camera. It might be that your your microphone is just not picking you up well in the room that you're in, or, or you're, you're you're not well lit. So. In terms of getting ready for those basics, you do need to think about uh, uh, lighting, camera, microphone, uh, the sound uh, of the space that you're in, and should you be using a pair of headphones and uh, a, a, a secondary microphone. And it doesn't have to be difficult, does it? Because I all year I've been trying to sort of up my video game. Because of the podcast, I've got some great audio equipment already already in place, but I was just trying to make my videos better. And I was experimenting, we'll talk about more about this in a second, but I was experimenting with some external lighting. And, and actually, I found that two desk lamps in strategic positions in the room lit me really, really well. And they were £10 each from Ikea or something. So it doesn't have to be complicated, does it? You, you, your very best friend when it comes to lighting is a window. If you've got a window with natural light, then sit in front of it, look out of the window, as opposed to having the window behind you. If you, the window's behind you, then you're going to be completely in the dark. Uh, raise your the height of your camera, and if it's in your laptop, you have to raise your laptop. But raise that up to at least eye level, maybe a little bit higher, uh, so that you are looking straight at it, or maybe an inch too higher. Uh, that's very good for the jawline, I'm told. Uh, and Balance the lighting according to. Well, check out how you look uh, yourself on online, uh, and once you've done that, uh, then focus on the uh, the audio. Make sure that people are hearing you well. Record yourself, play it back, and you know tweak what uh, what you hear uh, to make it sound exactly as you want to sound. Uh, so, for example, I I, I have a, a Samsung USB mic 
I'm speaking into right now. Uh, it's on a, it's on a, an extending arm over the top of my screens and uh, on a shock mount. So, oh, and it should have picked up a notification in the background there. Uh, but uh, that should mean that the sound is not interfered with by any other, you know, tapping on keyboards or moving around of mouse, uh, mice, uh, and so on. So whatever I'm speaking, uh, whatever I'm saying is being picked up uh, crisply and clearly. And hopefully that means that, you know, people are going to be uh, absorbing that message. You need to remember whenever you're, whenever you're on uh, either recording like this or on Zoom, it's often the case that the people on the other end have headphones on. So you're literally between their ears. And, in the same way as people compare, you know, stage acting to uh, to acting on camera, uh, where it's a, it's a different set of skills. If you were presenting on camera uh, or in the speaking into a microphone, you're much closer to the person who's watching and uh, and, and absorbing that information. So you can look directly uh, into their eyes by looking directly into the camera. Uh, you can speak in a lower, more measured voice with the microphone rather than shouting. As if you were on stage at uh, a presentation uh, or a conference, and that's interesting because that that kind of really sort of brings brings us to my next question, which is which is about doing bigger presentations, doing conference presentations, whether that's within within an organisation or uh, at an external event. Everything's obviously gone virtual, you know, for years and years. People people who do those kind of presentations have been working on their their stage presence, the the, the way that they present the, the visual aids that they use, how they interact with microphones in the audience and, and all that sort of stuff. Now, what's happened is sort of really reset the way that that works. And I've seen some some, some people who I know are, are great speakers, you know, struggling a bit to differentiate themselves because they're just using the, the sort of kit that's come with their, their their laptop and trying to replicate what they do what they do on stage without having that sort of that layer of technology support but behind it for for people who do who do more presentations and 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 really want that kind of stage presence to come across on on video what what kind of extra kit what kind of setup would um you know would be most advantageous for for them well yeah the the first thing is yes you you're not able to prowl around the stage in the same way that you would do if you were giving a ted talk for example you have to imagine that you are in the screen you're part of the screen so in terms of of kit that you can be using i i my main webcam is a Logitech Brio, uh, which is a bit on the expensive side, but it's, it's pretty much the best webcam you can get. Uh, and the quality is, is tip top up to 4K. Uh, I've got a couple of extra uh, webcams that I can switch to. So if I'm on a call, I can switch to other uh, webcams. I've got one on my second screen and I've got one pointing at the desk. So if I was, and I'm not, but if I was doing a, an unboxing video, I've got a video, a, a camera pointing at my, my hands on the desk, for example. Uh, I've got a decent microphone. But on top of that, in terms of presentation, uh, there's bits of kit that I use that uh, are great for uh, given, given those presentations. I largely use Minicam. There are other products such as Ecamm, which is particularly for Macs, uh, or uh, Mm-hmm, which is a new, pro- a new, uh, a new uh, program that's come out, again, specifically for Macs. Uh, People use vMix, XSplit, uh, and OBS is probably the one that's that's most well known. OBS is fantastic, but it's a little on the technical side. Uh, it there, there, there's a fairly steep learning curve with OBS. There's a lot to manage, whereas with ManyCam, uh, 
uh, as Joanne Lockwood says, it's, it's kind of the kiddie craft version, but it has all the features and it's very usable. If you ha- if you are experienced in using uh, PowerPoint uh, or any any regular uh, program, then uh, Minicam is a breeze. You can have multiple cameras. You can have picture in picture. You can have presentations hovering over the screen in which you're sitting in. So you're in the corner uh, and you've got your presentation uh, floating beside you. You could even have your presentation. If you put a, a green screen on your PowerPoint slides, then the presentation can appear to be transparent and floating uh, right beside where you are. And uh, you can have embedded videos with the audio playing through. Uh, so when you, when you are on a a presentation either on Zoom or any other platform, then using Minicam allows you to do all of those things. And it takes your takes your presentation game to a completely different level. It also allows you to be much more intimate uh, uh, with the audience because you've got all these things to hand, then you can be much more personal. You can really speak to that audience of one. You're talking directly to the individual who's listening as I say, on their headphones and watching, uh, you know, on their own. It might be on a small screen, might be on a phone. Another thing to really remember there is when people are watching on a phone, any text that you've got on the screen that's smaller than, you know, uh, if it's smaller than half the size of the screen, then it's too small to read on someone's mobile phone. So make sure that uh, that everything is legible. And more than anything, uh, be as visual as possible. Have yourself on screen. If you've got videos you need to play, then make sure that they're very relevant um, and uh, uh, mixing it up in terms of uh, being visually appealing is always, uh, always really important. Remember that other people are trying to do the same. So it's, it's, it's quite a competitive environment and people are continually trying new techniques, new ways of doing things and uh, and trying to be innovative wherever they can so that they stand out. This from the from, from the man who who has a drone with a camera in in his office. And I was I remember talking to you once and you flew the drone it camera in from outside the window. <laughs> it is possible now to yeah uh, with your phone connected to your drone uh, fly out and above the building and have it streaming live onto Facebook or through Restream to LinkedIn Live or any other platform. So if, if you can connect together those components, then uh, it can all be made to work for you. Uh, maybe take a little bit of planning and end of vans and also remember that drones are really noisy so if the drone is anywhere near your microphone uh, then that's going to be yeah, that's going to be a problem uh, but uh, yeah you can do all sorts of things just to stress buying a drone is not compulsory to to, uh, to, to make your presentation make your presentation stand out i think it's really interesting because when when i started podcasting sort of four or five years ago i did a lot of work to to really sort of model the way that the podcasters at the to the pro podcaster that's at the time was set up how they thought about sound how they you know how they edited and, and all that sort of stuff and I, and I think we're sort of really in that in that place now with 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 video and to me I've been doing a lot of um sort of studying of of what some of the successful YouTubers do because this is effectively what they're doing they're talking to uh, a very large audience but as an audience of one and they're using equipment in in their home to get that message across what, what are the sort of the great examples that, that you've seen of people doing this really, really well? Well, uh, well, one first example, actually, uh, and topical because I was doing this literally 
seven hours ago. Uh, last night, I was uh, helping to host, uh, a, would you believe, a, a Miss America uh, event online. Uh, and the event was, was it all went fine. We had, uh, I think, six speakers all together, people coming on and off a stage. And, uh, and, and making sure that, that happened seamlessly was important. But immediately after, and it was a live stream uh, on Crowdcast, but immediately after the event, I was able to download the video, add a top and tail, so intro and outro, uh, add titles underneath uh, people's faces, and, and drop in uh, logos uh, in the, the, the right place and then re-upload that to the same URL on Crowdcast so that anyone who watches on replay is seeing an edited, polished version of that. And, and Camtasia was, the, uh, was the, the, the tool that I used to do the editing uh, for that. Uh, so in terms of being able to make sure that your finished product is really polished or as polished as you can make it while still being authentic. The tools are there and they're really not that expensive. In, in terms of the use of video uh, and particular in the use of video and recruitment, uh, one of the clients, uh, as I say, I was working last year with uh, Video My Job, and one of the clients uh, was Siemens. Uh, Siemens, uh, I think you had a podcast just last week uh, with the woman from Siemens in the States, and they have a, a huge tech stack uh, where they're continually looking at new ways to basically uh, deliver better, a better TA experience to hiring managers, candidates, and the company. Uh, and one of the things that they, they've been using is video and some of the really interesting stats that come back from that are fascinating. So, for, for example, uh, they uh, they found uh, that uh, uh, in, in using video, uh, they had a, an increase in the measurable caliber of candidates who were applying for vacancies of up to 170%. Now, that sounds like a crazy number. It sounds too much. But it was actually made up of two things. Uh, what they found is when they when they use video in the, uh, the, the, the hiring process from hiring managers, uh, candidates more, much more accurately self-select themselves out or in for applying for that job. So irrelevant candidates weren't applying in the same numbers. Uh, and more than that, candidates who were never going to apply before were applying because they could see the hiring manager, they could see the work environment on video, they could see the diversity of the company, and they could picture themselves in that role. And again, going along those lines, they found that uh, they had an increase in the volume of female, female applicants of forty-seven uh, percent. Uh, and again, I can't, I can't tell you exactly why, but I'm, I imagine that uh, they're overcoming perceptions uh, or misperceptions, and being able to picture themselves in the role would be a big part of that. Now, they didn't have, uh, as far as I know, uh, stats on how that would improve uh, the diversity uh, of the, the, the applicants uh, coming in. Uh, but I would reckon that that would have a, a positive effect there as well. Thinking beyond Zoom calls and, and, and uh, conference conference platforms, and, and, and really sort of speaking to what you just said about the work that companies like Siemens are doing, we're kind of all used to the, the platforms where you can upload video to, to communicate with candidates, to, to get your message across. So, you know, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Facebook. But one of the things that, that's kind of really boomed over the last 18 months, which again is something that you're very much involved in, is live streaming. Talk us through live streaming. You know, what's your experience of it? What additional sort of technical considerations are there for live streaming? Because it's not just the case of picking a channel and pressing the pressing the, the stream button, is it? There's, there, there's there's more that there's more that you can do. Yeah, there is. I, I so I, I've been involved in live streaming events uh, with Louise Trines for over seven years now, and we've used a number of platforms, and we've ended up with Crowdcast, uh, but there are 
uh, many others out there. Uh, and I should say that on Zoom is a new product from Zoom, which will it's, it's available in the states now, but I think it's going to be rolled out further uh, shortly. Uh, but uh, yeah, live streaming the the authenticity of putting out a, a, an event live, a live discussion, uh, it means that uh, it's it's. It's much more relatable to the audience. Uh, a live stream, you can be a little bit rough around the edges. Uh, in the same way as live TV, people will forgive mistakes. And the idea that there's a, a degree of jeopardy, uh, that something could uh, go wrong and often does, uh, then that that's appealing to an audience. Whereas a recorded uh, program, if you'd recorded an interview with with uh, someone, and I, I understand we're recording an interview right now, but if you'd recorded some someone on video uh, and and put it out there, there's less of an event, uh, you know, an appointment to view uh, at the time which it's going out because it's uh, you know it's it's uh, it's been done, it's been polished, and uh, it's just a different type of thing. So when you have a, a discussion about uh, particular aspect of, of recruitment, hiring process, HR, and so on and so on, then, and you've got an expert that you're speaking with uh, about that topic, then uh, the sense that that's happening live uh, brings an audience. We find that uh, we'll – so if, if I had a, a live stream event today, I might get 100 to 200 live viewers. I will then get maybe four or five times as many views of the video on replay. Uh, so a lot of people are coming back to that uh, later on. But if I live stream it to uh, uh, Periscope, which goes to Twitter and to LinkedIn Live and to, to Facebook Live and maybe to Facebook pages as well as to my Facebook stream, then what I've got is, uh, a, is a campaign going on. I've got a network effect uh, of people who are connected to me are being prompted on different channels and the chance of them uh, picking up and, and, and watching and, and, and engaging with that content is much higher. And as I say, the, the idea of a, a live event uh, just appeals that bit more. It, the week after next, uh, for the Noras, it's the first time we've had an online event. Uh, it's traditionally a live event in London in a in a, a nightclub in uh, Covent Garden with 400 drunken recruiters. But the choice for the Noras was to have a live event or to pre-record all in advance so that it was all completely polished and there were no mistakes. And and I like the jeopardy of things could go wrong, and I like the idea that uh, people don't know if they've won until it's been announced live. So we're planning on uh, uh, you know having uh, uh, sponsors announce the, the, the winners of each award and then bringing the winners on screen. And it could go wrong. It could go completely wrong. But I think the the element of jeopardy uh, adds to the, uh, the, the 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 excitement. Absolutely, and I, and I suppose that that brings on brings me on to the the final question. What is the future for, for for live events? I mean, we've we've sort of been living through 2020, and it feels like we've been doing these virtual events as this stopgap until live events return as they were before. But the longer and longer the the pandemic goes on, and the more people see some of the benefits of of, of video and virtual events, and also just adjust their their habits and behaviour. What does the future of live events look like if we can get back in front of each other at some point? next next year is is that going to happen what 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 are your views well most most live events have a, a commercial nature to them if it's a conference or uh, uh, any, any other type of event going on or awards and so on uh, and the commercial model that makes these things work has now been changed forever uh, so every event in future will always have uh, 
a, an online element to it. Even if we go back to all the events that were happening last year, uh, the, or that they should have happened last year. So if it was uh, Unleash or the Firm Awards or uh, any number of other events that would have been uh, live, when they come back, and they will come back, but when they come back, they will always have now uh, an online video element. Uh, and and that really changes the uh, the financial model of how you how you sell tickets, how you pay for the event, how you pay for speakers, uh, the venue that you book, and so on, and uh, and the type of venue that you use because you need to have video involved as well. And the reason for that is that uh, many companies have have now decided actually uh, we don't need or want people to be attending event, events in person. We would much rather they they logged on online. They weren't away from work for you know a day. Two days, three days at a time. We don't. We don't want the costs of uh, of sending them there and expensive hotel rooms. If if they can do that all online, then we would much rather that's that's what happened. So the, the events will have to uh, take into account that the, there was an event I helped uh, run the tech in the background for uh, with uh, with uh, 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 another bunch of people, me, Louise, Claire Bush, uh, and so on. And uh, the platform that's used there was Swapcard for the the recruitment expo. Uh, and Swapcard came out of a different technology that was essentially for you know, swapping uh, business cards at live conferences. But they built this platform where we can uh, we can have pre-recorded videos of speakers. We can drop them in, or we can have speakers speaking live in a schedule of events through the day. So you've got the agenda. Attendees can choose which person they want to go and watch. Uh, and as I say, it can be a, a live or pre-recorded video. Uh, the chat is there. The discussion is there. Uh, and and. They're looking at ways continually that they can work on the networking aspect of it, so that people are bumping into strangers in 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 the way that you would do at a physical event uh, and making new contacts uh, in the way that they would do that. But working out the best ways in which you can have that in an online event. So the the progression from just having something online, you know, in March or April to uh, to to somehow replicate what you were going to be doing at a physical event. We've now moved on from that where companies are looking to not only give much more of the same benefits that we people get at the uh, at the physical event, but give additional benefits. And the additional benefits could be uh, that you're much, uh, much, much more able to connect directly with uh, speakers, other people that you meet at the event, where you can uh, make connections and, uh, and, and, uh, whether you work in the room to sell a product or where you you work in the room to find out about technology that you might be interested in buying, you can do that much more effectively and efficiently now. And uh, and there are real benefits to that that just weren't available in in-person events. That's really interesting. The, the, the week that we're recording this, I'm actually currently attending three different conferences, um, all of whom are on Swapcard. So um, it's obviously a thing. You know, I'm currently attending HR, the, HR, the HR Technology Conference I'd normally go to every year. Um, Cheering Fest, which is a, a, a kind of a Scottish, previously Scottish-based technology conference. And Podcast Movement, which is the the world's biggest professional podcasting conference, and I'm attending all of them from from my mobile phone this week. So that's interesting. So I think you know that's another advantage as well the the ability to to to, to be literally being lots of different places at the same time. But you know, I do I do I do miss the I do miss the face to face the face to face stuff. I'm really really missing HR tech in person this year. I, I, I was just going to say that uh, the. The people who have attended all these events in the past will, of course, miss them because there were fantastic aspects to that that were 
that, that couldn't be planned for. You bump into uh, to, to people that you haven't seen for uh, months or years or people that you'd only meet, met online. And I've met amazing people that uh, I'd spoken with online for years. And then when you see them in person, it's a big thing. And, uh, and you have a depth of friendship that you would find it difficult to replicate online. So final, final question, where can people find you and where can they find out more about the Noras? Uh, on any social media platform, I'm always Stephen O'Don. So Stephen with a P-H-O-D-O-N-N. Uh, you'll find me on any platform under that. And of course, if you go to norauk.com, you can find everything about uh, the National Online Recruitment Awards. Uh, as I say, the event is uh, is 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 the it's the biggest event of the year for me, uh, but it's only one aspect of what I do, but it does kind of skew my year. And uh, uh, whilst right now I'm putting out immense amounts of information on that, I'll tend to be quieter come the tail end of November. Uh, and anyone who wants to contact me, then please do. I'd love to hear from you. Stephen, thank you very much for talking to me. You're very welcome. My thanks to Stephen O'Donnell. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search through all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time. And I hope you'll join me. This is my show. <laughs>